Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 34, Topographic Maps. Thanks for listening. Topographic maps are a staple for us in geology. They have been a staple, but things are changing. I'm pushing 60, and I try to stay current with certain things, uh... In geology, but uh, this business about mapping in the field and using topographic maps in a geology 101 laboratory kind of going the way of the dodo. So you're listening to a guy who's been teaching for 30 years, and I've taught field courses using topographic maps in the field. I've also taught geology 101 lab students for three decades, every quarter. Topographic maps, let's learn our basics. And so that's our topic today. I'd like to talk about those topographic maps, both from a teaching standpoint in field courses and 101 lab, uh, but also kind of uh, how things are evolved now. And uh, a recent day that I was uh, out in the field with a, with a young team of, of uh, geology field mappers, and um, I felt very old. <laughs> And uh, that's great. That's great. Things move on, and uh, depending on your point of view and depending on your experience, uh, sometimes the new things are tremendously exciting, and that is the case here. Uh, This also, uh, this topographic map episode, uh, stems from a few of you commenting on you'd like some uh, one-on-one lab experiences through this podcast. You know, we went through the, the first 28 episodes of this podcast series uh, are the one-on-one lectures that I've done forever. And, uh, you know, uh, the geology one-on-one lab scene here is another big part of my life. Um, let me describe that briefly, and then I'm going to give you the topographic map lesson that I normally do to the one-on-one lab students. So to set the stage, um, we have different sections of Geology 101 lecture, uh, typically three or four of those big lecture sections every quarter, Uh, and I usually teach one of the lectures, and then there's others um, covering things in a much different manner. And then our labs, our Geology 101 labs, uh, there's typically either 13 labs or there's 17 labs, depending on the quarter. And each of those lab sections has 20 students, 20 lab students, and they're required to take the 101 lab along with the 101 lecture. And I share this with you because um, our spiels in the lab are um, starting from scratch because the lab students, depending on the section, are coming from different lecture professors, and the professors teach things in different orders, and they emphasize certain things, and they de-emphasize other things, and so we can't assume that they're all learning the same thing at the same time in lecture, and therefore, we start from the basics. We start with the basics in the 101 labs. In our topographic map lab that I, I suppose I wrote it 25 years ago, and have been delivering it with my eyes closed essentially ever since, you know what I mean, um, cover the basics of topographic maps. And... I think by doing this episode and really thinking about topographic maps recently, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I, I shouldn't change things up and get this topo map stuff out of the intro labs. 
uh, for reasons that I'll comment on before we quit. So without further ado, here is the Spiel Lab 1, Geology 101 Lab. Remember, now these are, these are students coming from all disciplines, uh, mostly freshmen with no major. Um, 99 out of 100 of the students uh, have no interest in continuing science, let alone geology. And yet, um, the gimmick has been, hey, you're, teaching, you're taking Geology 101 lab, whether you want to or not. Uh, you, typically, you don't want to take it because it's a university requirement. Um, this is the last uh, lab science class you're ever going to take, so let's do it right. That's the typical message. So here we go. Uh, well, today we're working on topographic maps, and we're going to give you about 90 minutes to work through this, this lab exercise, but you need some specifics to get you rolling, and I'd like to talk about three things with you. Latitude and longitude, scale of maps, and something called dimensional analysis. So let's do each of those. If you would take notes, please. Uh, you're going to need these notes as you work through these different topographic maps that we have over there on the uh, cabinet top. So let's start with latitude and longitude. Um, so we're going to start from scratch. Don't be insulted, please, if you already know this. Uh, there are lines that stretch around the globe, uh, lines that run east and west and lines that run north and south. The east-west lines are called latitude lines. The most famous of the latitude lines is called the equator. It's zero degrees latitude, the equator. You can see it here on this globe that I'm holding. And um, there are east-west lines that are north of the equator and east-west lines that are south of the equator. Um, in other words, the lines that go kind of back and forth, like stripes on your shirt, horizontal stripes on your shirt. Um, so um, how... High can we get with latitude? Well, Santa Claus lives at the North Pole. The North Pole is as far north as we can get with latitude. And the North Pole is, does anybody know? What's the latitude of the North Pole? Awkward silence. Right, 90 degrees north. The latitude of the North Pole is 90 degrees north. The latitude of the South Pole is 90 degrees south. And here in Ellensburg, right there on uh, University Way, is uh, a street that's laid out perfectly to be on the 47th parallel. So Ellensburg, Washington, the latitude of Ellensburg, Washington is 47 degrees north. So in other words, there's a bunch of these lines that stretch uh, in a horizontal sense between the equator and the North Pole. And each of those horizontal lines, each of those latitude lines has a label. So you can go 10 degrees north or 30 degrees north or 31 degrees north, and you're working your way closer and closer to Santa's house. Here in Ellensburg, we're a little bit more than halfway between the equator and the North Pole, and our latitude here in Ellensburg, Washington, right out there in front of campus, exactly 47 degrees north latitude. Now notice I'm always saying north because there is a 47 degrees latitude that's south of the equator. That must be done in Brazil or something like that. So that letter behind your latitude number is important. 47 degrees north, 47 degrees south. What's the letter? The letter is where are we with respect to zero? Are we 47 degrees north of the equator or 47 degrees south of the equator? If you forget the letter, you're messing up. Okay, 
But we can be more specific than that because there's many miles between the 46th parallel and the 47th parallel. And by the way, I say parallel because latitude lines are parallel to each other. Um, so they're oftentimes called parallels. So um, can we get more precise with our latitude? Let's say we're not right on University Way. And that's true. Here in Discovery Hall, we're a little bit, just a tiny fraction uh, north of 47 degrees even. Yes, the answer is each of those degrees of latitude can be split into 60 minutes. And each of those minutes can be split into 60 seconds. This is an old school location system uh, created back in uh, Northern Europe long ago. Uh, so minutes we abbreviate, well, degrees, you know, we abbreviate with a little tiny little circle. Uh, that's notation. So 47 and then like a, a little uppercase zero for degrees. Uh, for minutes, we abbreviate with one little uppercase hash mark or a little dash. And uh, minutes, uh, dash dash or uh, two little hash marks behind. So the point is we can get rather precise using uh, minutes, seconds, all within one degree. Okay, let's switch over to longitude. Longitude are the lines that go north and south around the planet, the most famous of which is zero degrees longitude. Does anybody know the name of uh, zero degrees longitude? Wait for it, wait for it. Uh, oh, correct, good, yes. The prime meridian. The prime meridian is zero degrees longitude. Well done. Uh, zero degrees longitude runs precisely through a little town in England called Greenwich. So you've heard of Green Greenwich Mean Time? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? Okay. So the prime meridian is zero degrees longitude, which runs north-south from the North Pole down to the South Pole. Fine. But then we have lines either to the east or the west of zero degrees longitude, which is the prime meridian. And these longitude lines can go all the way up to 180 degrees. How many degrees to go around a circle? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, by the way, I'm talking to you now, listeners. It, it's, it's the first day, you know, I'm going quickly because I want to give them a chance to work on these maps. And uh, eventually we build some camaraderie and, and kind of a group identity, but it's always awkward that first day. I always hate that. But there's a couple of know-it-alls, I mean, good students who uh, pipe up, and that's good. And, you know, uh, as an instructor, especially as an older instructor, especially as a male ins older instructor who can be intimidating without meaning to be, um, I'm pretty abrupt right off the bat. Or abrupt's the wrong word. I'm, I'm pretty, um, um, I try to get the message very quickly that this is a nurturing environment. I know that sounds weird if you're an older person, but um, I've always been that way. I, I, want, I want this to feel like a collaborative environment, and the main message is I'm not going to embarrass you. If you say something wrong, if you do something incorrect, nobody's going to scold you. I always hated that as a student. Uh, especially if you put yourself out there. So there's ways to kind of uh, work with students uh, who are all over the place uh, ability-wise and confidence-wise, uh, and you can create a positive environment. So occasionally people pick up on that right away, and they'll shout out something that's totally dumb, uh, but you never say, hey, that was totally dumb. You just kind of roll with it.
All right. Uh, forget where I was. But anyway, uh, longitude, prime meridian. Uh, we have longitude lines that go east and west uh, away from the prime meridian. And yes, there's 360 degrees to go around a circle. So that means we can go up to 180 degrees east longitude and 180 degrees west longitude. And same idea with longitude. We can split each degree of longitude into 60 minutes, and each of those minutes can be split into 60 seconds. And so we can take all this information, and let's write something on the board now, just to see if you get this. Let's say we find a vein of gold out in the middle of a desert somewhere. And there's no street address, there's no way we can locate ourselves except using this latitude and longitude thing on a map. Old school topographic paper map. So let's say we write down in our notebook, in our field notebook, in our right-in-the-rain yellow-covered field notebook, very carefully, the latitude and the longitude of our gold nugget, let's say, out in the middle of this, this uh, faceless desert. Okay, latitude would be what? Here's an example. No, let me do it this way. Let me write a bunch of numbers on the map, and you decide if it's latitude or longitude. Ready? Here we go. 119 degrees... Uh, 7 minutes, 52 seconds east. And here's another line in my notebook. 13 degrees, 52 minutes, 51 seconds south. Okay, so which of those are latitude and which of those are longitude and why? Well, very good. The top, the, the, the first thing that I wrote down with all that stuff and then the east behind it, is that latitude or longitude? That's longitude, right? Because longitudes are either east or west of zero, and that's a longitude answer because we're above 90 degrees. Latitudes never go above 90, right? And the other thing was latitude. It was south, and it was less than uh, 90 degrees. Great. Uh, so basically, we plot our location by taking that latitude line, north-south line, and, la and longitude line. I think I just screwed that up. Hang on. Uh, we take the latitude line and the longitude line, and where they intersect, where they cross, that's our location. That's our unique location on the planet. And uh, I've already forgotten what I said, but basically... It's uh, Southern Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere. So I don't know, maybe we're in Vietnam or something. Okay, good. So uh, in the corners of your maps, so let's talk about the maps you're working with today. There's a seven and a half minute quadrangle topographic map. And in the corners of each of those quadrangles is latitude and longitude information. So you're going to have to figure out which of those numbers correspond with the top margin or the side margin of your map, and then uh, do some locating of some things uh, between using the data that I just gave you. There's a different map that's a 15-minute map called the Ellensburg 15-minute quadrangle. There's some of those over there in a stack. And then there's also a... Um, a two-degree map, meaning that we're going to cover two degrees of, what would it be? Uh, I guess two degrees of longitude. I kind of forget now. Maybe it's two degrees of longitude and two degrees of latitude. I should have prepared for this podcast. Oh, wait. I'm just staring at my bedroom wall here. Um, 
with a Mexican blanket uh, draped over the wall. Somebody gave me a tip on how to improve acoustics. Whatever. Um, great. So you've got the background to do the latitude and the longitude um, information uh, on the map. A quick side note for the podcast listeners. When you're out there mapping in the field, you're not using paper maps anymore. And I realize I'm 16 minutes into this thing. And I'm not through with my with my one-on-one lab lesson. So maybe we'll spill this into another episode where I can talk about mapping in the field. That's just a programming note. Okay, let's continue. We're back to the one-on-one lab classroom. Hope you're getting this. Hope you're enjoying this. So many hopes. Scale. Okay, well, by definition, maps have been shrunk down to fit real life. Said that wrong? Let me try it again. You take real life and you shrink it to get onto a piece of paper. That's what a map is, right? We shrunk real life to get it onto the piece of paper. And the scale of the map doesn't matter what kind of map it is, by the way. We're talking about topographic maps today, which are maps that show the highs and low points elevation-wise. But it doesn't matter what kind of map it is. To shrink real life, we need scale. So the scale of a map shows exactly how much real life has been shrunk. So those three map examples I just gave you that you're going to be working with today, the seven-and-a-half-minute map, the 15-minute map, and the two-degree map, they're different sized pieces of paper. The maps are of different physical sizes. But that does not correspond to how much real life has been shrunk. Let me give you an example. So most people that use paper maps these days, which is not many left, uh, if you're trying to figure out, you know, God, well, this is going to be a long hike, I guess. Like, how much water should we bring? Should I bring a PB&J? Uh, can we figure out how many miles this hike is going to be on this map? Well, folks that are wondering that uh, on a paper map are looking down at the bottom of the map. Like, how would you do it? How would you figure out this, how, how many miles the, the hike is from one mountaintop to another mountaintop? following the trail. Most of you would, would kind of search, maybe without even thinking about it, for a little miniature ruler. Like down at the bottom of the map, there'll be some kind of little baby ruler. And the ruler will have a zero in the middle of it. It's kind of weird. And then a one off to the right of that little baby ruler. And there'll be some other little markings to subdivide that. But basically it says, look, from zero to one, from the middle of the baby ruler out to the right edge of the baby ruler is one mile, let's say. And you're, and you're looking at that distance, and you've got your, your thumb and your forefinger, be, you know, and you're, and you're looking at the distance in real life between your thumb and your forefinger, and you're like, well, that's, I know that's not a mile. It's not going to take me you know, five and a half minutes to, to, to run between my thumb and my forefinger. So that's how much real life has been shrunk. Okay. So I can do my thumb and my forefinger, and I can go, well, that's one mile. So now I'm going to land it up on my, take my thumb and my forefinger and go up to the trail, and I'm going to start measuring. There's one, two, three, as I shift my thumb and forefinger from uh, the start of the trail to the end. I hope you're following me here. And, oh, yeah, it's four and a half miles to 
uh, our destination, and then I guess it's four and a half miles back, so it's going to be a nine-mile hike. Boy, Lord, good Lord, we're going to have to bring a lot of food and water. Well, that little baby ruler is called a bar scale, and bar scales suck. We don't use bar scales here. If you're using a bar scale today in this lab, you're doing it wrong. And we won't call you out. We won't embarrass you. But please, don't use the bar scales. Why? Well, the bar scales are forcing us to use miles. They're giving us a unit of measure that we're, they're forcing on us. And in geology here, uh, we like uh, freedom. And we use ratio scales. And I'm going to encourage you to learn how to use a ratio scale today and not a bar scale. Again, the bar scales are the little baby rulers on the bottom of the map. They're listed in miles or half a mile or a quarter of a mile. That's not what we want. Because sometimes we'll want to use kilometers. Sometimes we'll want to use miles. Sometimes feet. Sometimes decimeters, etc. So we want the flexibility to use whatever unit of measure we want. So ignore the bar scales, please. And instead... There's something else down at the bottom of the map to help us with scale, to help us figure out how much real life has been shrunk. But that bar scale, most everybody ignores because it's not obvious how to read it. It's on every topographic map, a bar scale. Shit, wrong. It's on every topographic map, a ratio scale. Ratio, good. Bar scales, bad. So where can I find the ratio scale? It's there, right next to the baby ruler. But the ratio scale always starts like this. The number one, and then a colon, you know, dot, dot, colon, and then a big number. And you read this like one, two, sorry, one colon 24,000. That'd be an example of a very common ratio scale. Or one colon 100,000, or 1 colon 62,500. Okay, everybody see those? Ratio scale? Does anybody know how to read these? Anybody take a geography class or whatever, some scouting thing, or I don't know, brownie, whatever? Uh-huh. What's that? No, you're completely wrong. No, that's preposterous. Stop talking. Terrible. That's what I'm thinking, but I don't say that. Ah, okay. Well, thanks for participating. Not quite. Somebody else? Uh-huh. Nope. Uh, well, thanks for playing. Uh, no. Anybody else? Hey, good. Uh, let me tweak it a little bit, but basically you've got the idea. Here it is. To read a ratio scale, let's say our ratio scale is 1 colon 24,000. Here's how to read it. If we measure one inch on the map, that represents 24,000 inches in real life on the ground. Let me say that again. We measure one inch from point A to point B on the map, on our 1 to 24,000 scale map. But if we actually went out to those two real places, it would be 24,000 inches between point A and point B. In other words, real life has been shrunk 24,000 times to get onto that piece of paper. But what if the ratio scale was 1 to 100,000? Same idea. 
one inch on the map is a 100,000 inches on the ground. You starting to see this now? Based on the ratio scale, we know that one inch on the map is going to be represented, uh, is representing on the map uh, 100,000 inches between those two places on the ground. I hope you have it. But here's the beauty. It doesn't have to be inches. One centimeter on the map between those two points. In real life, there's 24,000 centimeters on the real life ground between those two points. One decimeter on the map, 24,000 decimeters in real life on the ground. One stapler on the map between two points. Go out to those two points in real life. If it's a 1 to 24,000 scale map, 24,000 staplers laid end to end. You've got it now, right? We can use metric. We can use English units. We can use any unit of measure we want. We have the freedom to measure how we want. Okay, one more thing I promised I'd talk about with this first one-on-one lab. And by the way, you can see there's uh, four people sitting off on the side of the room. Wave to everybody, please. Uh, Those are graduate students here. So I'm their supervisor. So I teach the first, this is the first lab of the week. And uh, these guys are in here learning what's going on. They're taking notes, have you noticed? Because they know that later today or tomorrow or Friday, they're going to teach their lab. In other words, there's... 17 labs this quarter, and each of the labs have 20 students in them, uh, but this is just the first lab of the week. And after I'm done with this spiel, I'm going to go out into the hallway, have my little uh, meeting for the week with the grad students that I'm supervising, and make sure they know uh, what they're doing. Make sure they don't have any questions, and I'll be talking to them about um, missing students and late labs and who's going to drive the vans and who's going to pick up the keys and logistical stuff as well. Okay. So every quarter I have three or four grad students uh, who get some experience teaching the one-on-one labs. Okay. Back to the story. So uh, uh, big dude in the back, what's your name? Okay. Uh, Nice to meet you. Uh, Could you, we've never met before, right? Correct. Um, George, uh, give me a big number. Just, uh, just think big now. Think off the top of your head. What's a huge number? Uh, one billion. One billion. Okay, one billion, one billion. Thank you, George. So let's say that I want to know um, how many. Let me say that's one billion inches, and I want to know how many miles that is. Just for fun, just for nerdy academic fun. A billion inches, one billion inches, how many miles is that? Or is that even, is that a fraction of one mile? It's got to be more than a mile, I guess, right? So that's the question. How would you figure that out? Well, you use something called dimensional analysis. Has anybody had a chemistry class or a physics class like in high school? Uh, one and a half hands go up? Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, then let me teach you how to do this for the first time. We're going to convert between units. 
we got a billion inches, thanks to George, and we're going to figure out how many miles that is. Well, how are we going to do that? There's multiple ways to do this. Here's how I recommend doing it. Let me lay this out on the whiteboard for you. God, I missed the chalkboard. Oh, I missed the chalkboard so, uh, so much. I missed the chalkboards. You know, there was a time that there was pieces of green slate mounted on a wall, and then you took this white piece of chalk and a little, click, 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 little clicking on Okay, I'm talking about, yeah, all right, before your time. Well, yeah, Google chalkboards, and, and uh, maybe you'll find a YouTube of somebody on a chalkboard, and that's how it was done back in the day. Okay, whiteboard with a dopey little marker and no little sound at all. Great, wonderful, let's do it. So up here on the left, I'm going to write one billion. Oh, my God, how can I do this? One uh, comma zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero 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 inches, right, George? Yeah, good. And I'm going to convert one billion inches into miles. Well, I don't know the answer to that, George. Do you? I don't either. Um, how can we do this? Well, uh, let's come up with some fractions. So we'll multiply one billion inches times a fraction uh, with. Well, what do we do? Oh, good. Yeah. Well, well, we know there's 12 inches in a foot, right? So let's make a fraction here where we have one foot uh, upstairs and 12 inches down below. That's numerator and denominator. Do you remember any of these things? This is a long time ago now. This is maybe middle school since you've thought of some of this stuff. This is simple arithmetic now. And so if we divide 12 into 1 billion, that will give us what? That will just give us the number of feet. That'll just tell us how many feet we have for a billion inches. Because we'll cancel out the inches upstairs and downstairs. We're left with an answer in feet. But we don't want feet. We want miles, right? So let's make another fraction. And we'll multiply by this fraction. This time we'll do... Uh, one mile upstairs, and does anybody know how many feet there are in a mile? Oh, people know that. Okay, well, you know, if you have a, a normal life with a normal social life, I guess you wouldn't know that, but uh, hmm, interesting, you knew that. Okay, uh, right, 5,280 feet in a mile, and so we're going to multiply by that next fraction to have one over... Um, Five two eight zero, good. Okay, now we're going. If we're going to cancel those feet out upstairs and downstairs, and so we're now left with an answer in miles. That's what we want. So we're going to multiply one billion times one times one. Those are the three ones up. Those are the three things in the upstairs parts of the fractions, right? So that's still going to be a billion. And then we're going to multiply the two denominators, which is 12 times 5280. And I've done this little thing a number of times, so I actually know that answer. That's 63,360. So now we're left with a billion upstairs and 63,360 downstairs. And if we, somebody have a calculator, some help us out. Can you figure out how to put in a billion and then divide it by 63,360? And what's the answer? Podcast listener, you got your calculator? <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. Um, it's definitely more than one mile. 
Okay, so I'm sure I'm sure you'll have an answer. Maybe you can leave a comment for this uh, podcast. By the way, I, I just changed the feed. I finally got a hosting site that I like, squarespace.com, which I've actually used for my website. So I've spent the last week and a half, um, it's the holiday time, and I've just kind of gotten in the zone here. So I've finally figured out how to update my website. So nicksentner.com has a fresh look and a bunch of fresh videos and everything else. I figured out how to get these podcast episodes as clickable. Um, There's an arrow basically where you don't have to subscribe using a smartphone. A lot of older people don't have smartphones or if they do, they don't know how to listen to a podcast on a phone. So that was a nice breakthrough. And why did I mention that now? Uh, oh, yeah, so you can actually leave comments uh, in the Nick Sentner Geology podcast section, like for individual episodes. So how about you leave an answer to that, our math problem here? You can just put the answer, and everybody else will be like, I wonder what these numbers are about. Maybe that will cause them not to want to listen to the episode. Anyway, this is a bit different than I had planned when I hit uh, record on this thing, but we're past 30 minutes already. So in review, what have we done? I've given you the first lab, (laughs) the first Geology 101 lab called Topographic Maps. And now that I think about it, uh, if somebody misses the first lab and they want some background, I guess I'll say, well, listen to, I got a podcast episode on this. You'll hear the spiel that uh, you missed uh, 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 Monday morning when I did this with the group. So that'll be kind of handy. Um, so you got the rest of the uh, two-hour lab period here to work on these maps uh, well, of different scales using the latitude and longitude, using the scale, and using the dimensional analysis. Good luck, introductory lab student. And good luck to you for... Um, yeah. Podcast listener, thanks. Um, Not sure how that one went for you, uh, how much you could follow some of that without the maps in front of you uh, or me writing in the board in front of you. But we've tried before with some awkward content that uh, doesn't have any visuals and it seems to have worked. So maybe that's the case here too. I think next time I'm telling myself, and I guess I'm telling you too, that uh, I'll just continue with this topographic map thing Uh, but I'd like to comment on how things have changed for field mappers. That'll come up next time. But for this one, I thank you for listening. NickSentner.com, the new Apple feed for the podcast, hopefully is clear to you, or maybe it doesn't even make a difference. If you've subscribed already using an older feed, I think I've got some sort of 301 redirect. I've been into the, the weeds with all this techie stuff. So I think I'll be able to get you to these new episodes without you having to change anything on your end. Regardless, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll talk to you next time.